I think first and foremost, I think you need to get your head around the different types of content that you could be putting out there. And perhaps it's not quite as daunting as what you're thinking. And I know it is probably that platform that makes everyone back away a little bit and go, no, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. But it truly is very similar to Instagram Reels. And I think any knowledge that you have from there, you can apply to TikTok. But go on and follow as many booktop creators as you can find. Welcome to Rights for Women, a podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor, and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. And a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Let's relax on the convo couch and chat to this week's guest. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Rights for Women. My guest today is Stacey McEwen. If you're on TikTok and you follow a lot of authors on TikTok, you may know Stacey as Stace's Bookspace. Now, this is a business of writing episode and there's so much talk out there amongst author friends and in author circles about TikTok and whether we should be on it as authors. And I was chatting to Rachel Johns, the lovely Rachel. Hi, Rachel, about this. And a while back, and Rachel suggested I track down Stacey McEwen. Stacey is a Queensland author and TikToker who has gained in just a very short space of time over a couple of years over 300,000 followers, and I'm sure that's growing by the day. Now, as a result of her TikTok following, Stacey actually now has a book contract. Now, that's not to say that's going to happen for everyone, but I thought Stacey would be a great person to chat to about how to use TikTok if you're an author, some of the tricks in using TikTok, what works, what's worked for her, what she's seeing work for other people, and just a good old general chat about TikTok for authors. I found this chat really fascinating and really gave me food for thought. And I think that you're going to get a lot out of it too. Even if you're someone who decides not to go onto TikTok, I think it's just something worth considering. And certainly there's some great authors doing really fun stuff on TikTok. Just as an aside or related to that, I was chatting to uh, Natasha Lester last weekend. We caught up in Sydney when Natasha was over and we had dinner and we were talking about TikTok. And she was saying that during an in-house seminar that she had with her publisher, they mentioned the fact that TikTok is actually an entertainment space rather than a social media platform. So they're likening TikTok more to YouTube and being there for entertainment, which is a different vibe than what we're doing on Instagram and Facebook. So I think that's also worth thinking about. So anyway, without further ado, I'm going to get on to introducing Stacey and Hopefully you enjoy this episode all about TikTok for authors. So Stacey McEwen, welcome to Rights for Women. Thank you. So nice. Great to have you here. And we were just chatting. I've been very keen to get you on the podcast to talk about your whole platform on TikTok, of course, but also your debut novel, which comes out in September, Ledge. And before we get into that, could you tell us a little bit about your life prior to, I guess, 
prior to the last few years when you entered the whole TikTok space and started novel writing and all that sort of thing. What's your background story? Yeah, it's quite a drastic change over the last couple of years. Prior to all of this, I was a part-time teacher and the rest of the time I was at home with my two kids and that encompassed my whole life. And writing was a hobby, something that I did for fun on the side. And I have always loved it and have always wanted to take it further, but I considered myself very much an amateur and I had queried agents and done things like that, but probably not with as much gusto as I could have. And then all of a sudden TikTok was a thing and the pandemic hit and I found myself with lots of time alone at home while my husband was still having to go to work and I was homeschooling one of the kids and looking after the other. And I thought, could I spend this time writing another book or could I download TikTok and waste my time on that? And I chose the latter. So I downloaded (laughs) TikTok and started scrolling away And there was someone just flipping books back and forth and she was doing these transitions by way of recommending books. And I thought, oh my God, there's books on TikTok. That's fantastic. And as someone who'd never been a part of an adult book club, that was very exciting to me. So I got lost down the wormhole that is book talk on TikTok. And that's how it all started. But yeah, prior to that and prior to me deciding that I would start posting my own content just for fun, yeah, I was just writing as as a bit of a side gig whenever I found time to, which wasn't all that often. Yeah, life was comprised of family and teaching and not a lot else, if I'm, if yeah. I'm dead honest. Yeah. And because TikTok has come after Instagram and the whole bookstagram thing on Inst- Instagram, were you part of that scene, Instagram, the bookstagram community? Not at all. I had, I would have been if I knew it existed, but I just didn't. The algorithm just works in such strange ways on social media. So even though I have a very deep interest in books and I was an avid reader and I always had been, that's just not what Instagram fed me. So I had no idea that was a thing. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know Instagram existed. Even BookTok, which was, it is much newer, that just happened across my page. And if I hadn't have clicked on that hashtag and gone down that little rabbit hole, I wouldn't have found that either. So I found Bookstagram after I found BookTok, I realized that it was a thing. And that was only after I'd already gained quite a few followers and people were asking if I had a Bookstagram. And I went, is Bookstagram a thing? (laughs) Because if it is, I'm in. But yeah, no, I had no idea. I was very oblivious to all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I was checking out your book, your TikTok account this morning, and I've been researching for our chat. And you've got something like 315,000 followers on there. Is that right? I do. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. Very odd. That's mind blowing, isn't it? So to think, and that's me. only over the last couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. So I started this about a year and a half ago. Okay. And like you say, when you first went on, you had no idea that the thing existed, then you got on there. And how did you go about finding out about it and finding out how to establish yourself there on a platform? It's a good question. And look, to be honest, at least 70% of it is luck. But I had followed quite a few book talkers after I'd found it. As I said, the algorithm tends to lead lead you down this wormhole. And so more and more book talkers were crossing my feed and I was following all of them and watching and just found like the funniest content and the best people. And I found that I really wanted to be a part of this inside joke that everyone has on these types of platforms when they're talking about specific books and things. So I got myself caught up on 
the more popular book series and things that I hadn't yet read. And I got really excited when people on BookTok had read something that I had already read as well, because prior to that, I wasn't selecting books based on what everyone else was buying. I just browsed books bookshops and find a cover that I liked and buy it or I'd hop onto Goodreads and and see if there was someone that I followed on there who had left a good review and then I'd go about buying that so I went onto BookTok and found that they had all these inside jokes about certain books and certain book series I really really wanted to be a part of that so I got myself all caught up on some different series I found that uh, the bulk of BookTok is surrounded by first romance and then next fantasy. Mm. And those are my two favourite genres as well. So I was oh, further perfect. immersed. And uh, and after I got myself caught up, I thought I could easily make my own content. Um, and I know I look shy, but I'm not. So I didn't have any reservations about uh, making videos. It just seemed like this fun, creative outlet. And I, like I said, it was pandemic and I was at home and I was just looking for this creative outlet. And I should have been writing. <laughs> I should have been channeling that into writing a book. But instead I went, oh, or I could make some TikTok content and expected it to do nothing. So I think I ventured out by doing a couple of like lip sync type videos that were related to popular book talk books that I just, I heard the sound, the audio, and thought that would go well. And so I did a bit of a lip sync and they did fine. Like they got a, a few views and a few likes and got a couple of followers and I wasn't paying all that much attention to it. It was just fun. And then I got a bit braver and I had this idea in my head about new adult romance books and specifically like college romance. And by then I had gone on this spiral of reading these college romance books, like these American <laughs> college like couples and things. And it's such a funny genre to read in. And I was really enjoying myself, but it's such a funny genre because it's so formulaic, like the way these books are written. And I had a lot to say about it. So I thought I'd I'd be a bit braver and actually post a TikTok using my own voice, not lip syncing and audio, but actually just creating like original content. So I made a TikTok called The Exact Recipe to New Adult Romance. And it was about exactly what the protagonist looks like and her love interest and exactly what the antagonist looks like and exactly what happens and how it all ends and because it tends to go that way with many of these books. And I thought I posted it late at night and I went to bed and as I was going to bed I remember thinking like what I'm probably about to do is anger a lot of people. <laughs> That's right. What I'm doing. So there was, it was potentially controversial, was it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, not necessarily controversial, but I thought there might, I know there's a lot of romance authors on TikTok and I thought I hope they don't take offence to this because I actually really love the genre and I find it a lot of fun, but I am talking smack about it. Let's see yeah. how this goes. I thought I'm pretty sure I was still respectful, just trying to point out the humour in it. So I went to bed and woke up in the morning and I checked it at some point. And it had already had like over 100,000 views. I remember seeing it and thinking, dang it, like one of those views could very easily be my boss. What do (laughs) I do now? (laughs) And I'm a primary school teacher. So at that time, that seemed a problem. Now I know, of course, that it's not so long as I stay in my lane, but at the time I was worried. And then before I open the comment section, my next thought was this comment section, which has 200 comments in it that I have to read now, could very easily be filled with angry romance authors <laughs> or romance <laughs> readers. So I opened it up and, of course, it wasn't. It was filled with romance authors, many of them, but they were all 
adding their own things that I could have used in the TikTok, their oh, own great. things that they noticed, their own tropes and their own cliches and their own funny things that they thought of. And each of them were laughing along with it. And I had gained this following and so many of them were romance authors. And I thought, I'm glad that I didn't offend anyone. So I made the next one and the next one and carried on with it. And I made the exact recipe to historical romance and to bully romance and anything else that I could think of and YA and dystopian and fantasy and uh, or just all the little cliches and the tropes that we often find in them and that most of the time we love and some of them we don't necessarily but it was just a lot of fun portraying them in you know our strange Australian accent like yeah. that came across, seemed to come across really well as well and so this following just slowly grew so basically I just posted a TikTok and it, it went well out of probably luck more than anything else and then I lent into it it seemed to work So I just kept going along with that sort of formula of content. Mm. And it's definitely shifted since, but initially that's how I gained that initial following. So how often would you be posting, Stacey? Initially it was about once every second or third day and I was pretty disciplined with it. Now it's not so much. Now it's more like maybe twice a week, more often than not once a week on TikTok. And I will post a little more often on things like stories and things like that on Instagram. And just because the life has become much more hectic yeah, <laughs> this yeah. year with, with publishing books and things. And I'm very wary of burning myself out entirely. And my content on often features my husband these days. And I don't particularly want to burn him out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah, I've lengthened it out. But initially I was pretty pretty rigid and I was pretty disciplined and I made sure that I was posting every second day or if not, then definitely every third day. But I just had myself to rely on and I was doing it like in the dead of night. I was doing like 10 o'clock at night after I'd put the kids to bed and done a bit of writing and cleaned up the house and gotten everything ready for the next day and thought I'll quickly spend half an hour making some kind of video before I go to bed. Yeah, yeah. So you basically just taught yourself all the ins and outs of making the videos and uploading them? Yeah, yeah. I looked carefully at what other content creators were doing as well. I had a look at the content creators that I really loved on BookTok that I thought were really funny and that had original ideas and and I thought were really interesting. And I was already following quite a lot, but I looked carefully the kind of techniques that they use when they, like even just small things like filming the TikTok and the way that they might have edited that. And it's quite ed- easy to edit top videos, but by then I didn't really have a handle on it, but I learned like lots of different tips and tricks and things that you can do to make those videos a bit smoother and to get rid of all the gaps and the pauses and the awkward hesitancy that you like you just naturally do when you're filming yourself on video. And I learned how those things don't work and they just, they really detract from the video. So yeah, I definitely picked up lots of tips and tricks from other people. Yeah, yeah. And how do you, it's quite a different platform, isn't it, from other social media, from Instagram, although like Instagram has Reels, which I guess yeah. is slightly but Even Reels are quite recent, really, like they've only been around for maybe a couple of years now. Yeah, mm. yeah. So how do you find TikTok is different in terms of the way that you're connecting with other people compared to other social media platforms? I think what I've noticed on TikTok is that people are very trigger happy with the follow button more so than any other um, medium of social media. So if we're talking about the difference between Instagram and TikTok or even Facebook or Twitter, and as people are scrolling 
TikTok, there's a little tick and they follow instantly and they seem to be quite generous with the amount of people that they follow. And I think it's because they know full well that TikTok is not going to saturate their feed with that one person's content and that they can easily go from the following page where it's just showing content from the people that they followed back to the For You page. And the For You page shows content from everywhere. And they so they can switch off from the people that they followed. And what I find on platforms like Instagram um, is if you're trying to gain a following on there and you check your analytics and your statistics and things, you'll see that there's more people that will unfollow you more readily than on any other social platform. And I think it's because, I just personally think it's because Instagram will flood your feed with that person's content and people grow sick of it and they're more likely to unfollow if they're growing just seeing your content and not anyone else's. On TikTok, they don't have to, that doesn't really happen to them. They can flip back and forth between the people that they follow and the people that they don't. So I think people are just more ready to follow. I also just think video is more impactful than any other kind of content. I think it's more impactful than still images and, and anything else. So I think TikTok just grabs attention and the same with reels on Instagram. They just grab people's attention and they keep them on that particular platform for longer amounts of times because you do just get swallowed up in the scrolling of those types of social media. Um, so, I, yeah, I think there's a very big difference there. And I think that's why part of the reason why TikTok's just been so successful. And, it's, and it seems to be so much more impactful to people's lives when they start to post content on there. We really do see so many different people who are saying like their life has been changed by TikTok because of their followings and things. And it sounds very corny and it sounds very unrealistic, but it is quite true. And I think that in terms of promotional things, like that that reads as like dollar signs to lots of people that are wanting to utilise that. And if someone has the sort of means and the power to post some kind of content and know for sure that it's going to reach over 100,000 people on the first day, that's quite a powerful thing to have in one's possession when it comes to businesses and people who are looking for you to promote for them and to yourself and whatever it is that you're meaning to promote. And TikTok does, that's what it does. It really snowballs your content out to hundreds and thousands if not millions of people if it gets good traction at the start and there's not many other platforms that sort of release your content that way yeah that's really interesting you mentioned that you do use your husband or incorporate your husband not use incorporate your husband into into your videos (laughs) in your fictional husband series can you talk a bit about how that idea came to you and how that's developed he'd been in a few tiktoks before and Mostly completely by accident. I just catch him off guard, but he's always, he's very quick-witted. His reactions are always very funny. So any TikTok that he had been in prior to the fictional husband's ones, they had always done pretty well and people had um, engaged with it. And I found that lots of people's husbands were sympathetic towards him as well. So they were weighing in on it as well. And it was always really fun. And it tapped into this other side of TikTok away from BookTok where it tapped into like married life, if right. you're having a look at that hashtag and like husband life and married life and wife life and that sort of thing. And it sort of, I guess it dragged in a few more followers. So I knew that content worked, but also I just wanted to talk about books. I didn't really want to delve into that side too much. And I think I was just, I'm always looking for different types of content that I can post. And I've been doing this for a year and a half now. And you do start to 
run dry on ideas and original things that you can post and talk about online. And I think I I was just thinking I wouldn't it would be funny if I just started demanding that he acts the way a fictional man would. But I made it seem as though, but I didn't give him any heads up beforehand. If I just came straight in and said, this is what you're doing from now on, this is what I expect, I can almost guarantee that his reaction will be hilarious, whatever yeah, that yeah. might be. So I, <laughs> and like I said, he's very quick-witted and he always, and that's just, our relationship is like often full of just annoying one another. So he's very used to it. So I thought I just gave him a quick heads up and said, I'm about to do a TikTok and you're going to be in it just so you know. And he went, oh, do I have to be? And I said, yes. <laughs> and then I just walked up to him and, and said that when I bend over to pick something up, you're no longer a- allowed to smack me on the butt. You have to look absolutely ravaged with frustration and lust and whatever else it was that I said. And he fed into it so beautifully as I knew that he would. Yeah. So I posted that and that kind of went off. And I went, this is quite frankly, the easiest content that I can post because I've got a million of these. (laughs) Yeah. So it's just going on from there and it's been so much fun. I'm not sure that it's been that much fun for Michael, but oh, it's been fun for me. (laughs) Quite willing to go along with it. Yeah. He does. It's not that much of a hardship to him. It's not that different from everyday life to him. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. So, Stacey, you were saying that you often sit down at night to to make a video to post. Can you walk us through, like, what's your process in creating a video to then upload? And I guess how long would that take? What is involved in the whole process for anybody out there that's no idea about TikTok? Yeah, so it's usually, it's about an hour of my time, depending. There are definitely, like, quicker TikToks that I can do and, and that take all of 10, but the type of content that I do usually takes me around an hour. The filming is quite quick, but the editing takes um, quite a while. And I like to try and make sure that they're quite smooth. And like I said, that they I get rid of any little awkward pauses or gaps and things like that. And all of the TikToks is like when you watch them, you'll see that they're, fil- they're, not, they're filmed all together, but I've cut them up into chunks to get rid of those pauses Or it's like when you're writing and you get rid of anything extraneous that doesn't need to be in there. So it's quite similar. So it's the editing that takes a little while and adding sound to it. Like most of my clips have some kind of music and adding captions because I think that's quite important and then actually uploading it and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's like a round trip is usually something close to an hour, maybe a little under and there's shorter ones that you can do. So that's not too taxing on my time if I'm only posting once a week or maybe twice a week and I then usually double up on that content by putting it on TikTok but also on Instagram so that I can use it on both platforms and therefore save myself like a little bit of work because it does start to feel like work it starts to feel like a bit of a a chore that I need to Mm. check off it's still a lot of fun for me and it was so much at first it was hugely fun which is probably why I was posting a lot more often because it was quite enjoyable but I also had more time up my sleeve. So, yeah, I think you've got to be a bit protective of your time sometimes yeah. you don't bear yourself out. And I keep, I've planned to keep doing this for quite a while. So <laughs> I need to be careful that I'm not running myself into the ground with it. Yeah. And do you find that the content does translate quite well to Instagram? Because I noticed on your Instagram you have used, so do you put them up as reels then on Instagram? 
Yeah, so I just I upload them as real. So that sort of gained me my following on Instagram as well. Instagram was going quite slowly and I was enjoying myself on there, but I'm not the Instagram type. I don't I've, I don't have the, the beautiful photos and I'm not a very good photographer all around. And, and to me, that's what Instagram was. So when I started on there, I had a little bit of a following, but it was mostly people from TikTok who had followed me over from right. Instagram. Yeah. And I was posting, I was trying my best to post pretty book photos and failing miserably and, uh, and going, never mind, this might not be for me and that's okay. But I did find a lot of fun in going into the Instagram stories and just ranting and raving and speaking quite freely and not having to worry about things like editing and that yeah. sort of stuff. And that was a lot of fun and interacting with people in that way as well, because those stories are very interactive or you can make them interactive. So that was a lot of fun. So I was on there mostly for that. At some point I thought, oh, I'll take these fictional husband videos and I'll post them on Instagram as well and just see what they do. And uh, and that's where Instagram took off quite a lot more and gained a much larger following on there as well. So I think they've translated quite well on Reels on Instagram, which is very much emulates the TikTok's platform. But I think that Instagram is changing vastly as well. I think yeah. Instagram's starting to look more at original content rather than trending content. And that has perhaps worked in my favor, whereas before it wasn't doing so good. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting looking at how it all works because truly no one really knows how it all works. We're all just guessing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a yeah. constant guessing game, isn't it? Are hashtags important on TikTok as well as they are in, on Instagram? They are. They just work in separate ways. TikTok uses their hashtags the general rule for tiktok is with hashtags is less is more so tiktok will look at all of the hashtags that you post together collectively and then try to find a user who has engaged with all of those hashtags so if you post something like books romance and hero for example then it will try and find a user who has already interacted Mm. with those three hashtags before by liking or commenting or following people's videos who use the same hashtags. So you can imagine that if you then post a TikTok that has something like 20 hashtags, TikTok is then scrambling to find a user who has engaged with all of those hashtags and the chances of hitting are much less likely. So less is more. And on Instagram, it works differently. They look at the hashtags in isolation. So you can post something like 20 hashtags and Instagram will look at the hashtags individually and find users who have engaged with that. So it's interesting to find how the hashtags work as well differently on different platforms. Yeah, it sounds like it's quite targeted on TikTok. Like you say, if you can narrow it down to users who follow like those three hashtags, that's quite a great audience to hone in on, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that's valuable knowledge for people like authors who are on there trying to find a targeted reading group. If you can use those hashtags to try and find that reader, any author, whether they're indie or published, knows that you can write whatever book you like, but if you can't find your readers, it doesn't mean a hell of a lot. And finding your readers is like where the really hard work is sometimes for many people. And I think that's things like BookTok and Bookstagram have been so valuable to authors in that way because you really can find that tribe of people that, you know, are going to be connected, engaged with whatever it is that you're writing. But yeah, it did take me a long time to work out the hashtags and how they worked and the difference and the do's and don'ts, because I was one of those people posting a TikTok and putting as many hashtags as possible that I could fit in there because I had zero understanding of the way that it worked. Now, luckily, I have a better understanding of the way that it works, but it's taken a little while. 
And your videos, Stacey, they're all talking to camera type videos. You mentioned back when you first started on TikTok, you were following the sort of book image ones and the flipping over the books and showing what's on a shelf and that sort of thing. And just from the small amounts of time I've spent on there, I can see that there are different styles. So Mm. what do you think that it's just a matter of finding what works for you or how would you suggest people go about trying to work out how to position themselves and to, to what style of video, I guess, to post on Instagram? I think the videos that you're talking about where they do lots of book recommendations and things, I think that's such a great option for people that are perhaps camera shy. And I know that there's a lot of people that want to involve themselves and want to post content on those platforms, but like are quite daunted by it. And I think that's such a great option for people that like the thought of putting their voice and their face on camera all the time is horrifying. And I can completely understand how that would be quite daunting, as I said. So I think that's a really good option for people at least to start with. And I find that most people who start out that way end up putting their faces and their voices right. on camera at some point anyway because they just build up this confidence and they realise that it's not that scary and it's quite a nice community all around and, and people are very supportive and so it, it takes the threat away from it a little bit. I think it just depends. When, I honestly just think it depends on your confidence level with putting yourself on camera and doing that sort of thing. And what the as for the kind of content that you want to post, I think... The more original you can make it or the more personal that you can make it to yourself, it's likely the better that it will do. I think if you're trying to post content that's already available, it's less likely to do as well. Yeah, so I think that the TikToks that always do the best are either because they are shocking or interesting or relatable and you want it to be either shocking, interesting or relatable for good reasons, not for bad reasons. One can be controversial and have their content go ballistic but it's not going to be for the right reasons so I think when you're thinking about your content why is it shocking or interesting or relatable and recommending books can still be those things and that people have found ways to create these just really interesting transitions with books and it's just really quite engaging to see Mm. that and it's more engaging perhaps than a still photo and it might be an incredibly beautiful photo of a book that you're recommended with this lovely backdrop or this flat lay but a moving image for some reason to our brains is just more impactful and we're more likely to engage with it I think people are just tapping into that Mm. I've noticed because I've been following a few writers on there who do the writing tips thing and they're actually quite normal people like you and I sitting here having a chat but a lot of them I notice have the movement thing so they'll be walking along while they're talking to camera or getting up and moving position so there does seem to be a lot of emphasis on that whole movement thing doesn't there? It's quite simple. Even to post lots of TikToks where I'm just ranting at the camera about some thought that I've had and I might just be sitting in this very chair right now in this room. But even though I'm still, I know that's probably not going to be enough and so I'll just move the camera so the camera zooms in and out. So simple things like that are things that tips that I always tell people that if they ever ask is that we are like simple creatures and we are quite easily diverted and just distracted by sparkly, shiny, moving things. And so the more of that that you can put into an, into a, a video, a photo, a something that you post, the more likely it's going to connect with people and they're going to engage with it. 
and that's what you want. If you're looking to increase your following or create engagement, that's the way to do it. That's fascinating. It is. So you mentioned before some of the, that you were following originally the romance authors, fantasy authors. And I know just from my own daughter, who's very active on TikTok, she's, like I said to you, she's 20, 21, and she's become, as a result of TikTok, I, my kids all grew up reading, but it's dropped off to some degree for some of them. But she has had this amazing resurgence in her love of books and fully as a result of people she's following on TikTok. So she's been devouring Colleen Hoover and a lot of the romance novels that I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. And I know it has been a great boon for some writers and their book sales have just soared, but it's been the opposite for you in that it's, it's has, am I right in saying it's actually led you into writing and led you into a book contract? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But there's no other way to explain it. Like I said, I was writing before and had always had it in the back of my mind that a bucket list thing in my life was if I can publish a book one day before I die, like that would be great. But did I have high hopes for that? Not really. I, it was always writing, just always something I've come back to on the side, but I had a very realistic expectation that it might not ever happen for me. And so I had queried agents before and on separate things, but I wasn't good at querying. And like I said, I probably hadn't given it as much like focused intention and, and I hadn't really put that much effort into getting the job done. I just, I found it fun writing books and then I'd finish with it and be like, okay, that's going away in the drawer and onto the next one. And I had five books sitting there and someone, a few people on TikTok were saying, you should write your own book. I was always talking about these tropes and cliches and what I loved in books and what I didn't like in books. And they were saying, you should write your own. And I very, I felt like I should go, oh, I have written my own. And I told Michael about my husband and he was like, you should try and sell them one of your books. Maybe you could be a self-published author. And that was the first time that the idea hit. And by then I had something like 15,000 followers. And it was the first time that I thought maybe this could be leveraged. And I didn't know how though, but I knew that my existing books were never going to see the light of day. I didn't think that they were good enough. Um, It'd been a while since I had gone back and read any of them. And I just thought that there's no way that I'm going to try and sell any of these. I'm going to write a new one. So I thought I've got a fantasy romance idea that I've had for a while now. So I should get cracking on that. So I wrote it. And as I was writing it, I started talking about it on TikTok, not about the book and the plot necessarily, but just the fact that I was writing something. And people were just so encouraging and so motivating. And and the following kept going because I kept posting about other things as well. And so the following kept building. And by the time I was finally like, I'm ready, I've got a cover because I'm going to self-publish this. The book's done. It's edited as much as I can for now. And I'm going to talk about the plot. I'm going to show them the cover and I'm going to tell them that it's available for pre-order and we're just going to see what happens. And I thought, I fully expect this video to flop because people can smell self-promotion a <laughs> mile away. And I thought that they're going, this is just one of those TikToks that does not hit. Like it just historically, it does not work, but I'm going to do it anyway, because why can't, why shouldn't I? By then I had about a hundred thousand followers. So I thought I'm in a really good position here to try and sell this book. And I need it to get into people's hands and I need for them to read it. And I need for them to recommend it to other people and talk about it on their socials. And that's the only way that this thing's going to work. And I, it's the only way 
that I can make it viable for me to continue writing in the future and continue mm. trying to publish it instead of just writing once every now and then for fun. And I just, I was just so taken with this idea that maybe I can write as a job. Maybe I can write every day. Like how great would that be if I had the resource and the means to be an actual writer, a painter? So I was really taken with that. And so I posted this TikTok expecting it to flop and it didn't. It got something like, 200,000 views on the first day and double that by the end of the week. And that's not viral by any means, Mm, but it was quite a lot for that kind of TikTok where it's just purely self-promotional. It's me saying, I wrote a book and here it is. And would you like to pre-order it? And I was just really shocked by it. And by the end of the week, I had three emails in my inbox and one was from a literary agent and two were from publishing houses. And all three of them were asking to read the manuscript. Wow. And I was blown away because, first of all, these three emails were from people that had no idea if I could write. There was nothing that they could read that was already out there. They were literally just taking a punt and seeing if seeing if I had anything that was valuable to them. So I sent the manuscript to all three of them, but I was very set in my course of self-publishing. I thought there's no way they're going to get back to me on time. We all know how this stuff works. It takes months for these people to get around to reading your manuscript and then make a decision and get back to you. So I sent it to them but put it out of my mind. And there were so many people online saying that they they wanted to pre-order and who were pre-ordering and I was starting to accumulate those pre-orders and it was wonderful and I thought, like, TikTok is so bizarre in the way that it works. I've, like, none of these people know if I can write worth a damn. I don't even know if I can write worth a damn, but apparently I knew how to sell it well enough that they wanted to give it a shot. That was all happening. And a week later, I got a message back from the literary agent and it sat in my junk mail for something like three weeks and I didn't see oh. it. And then I, yeah, at some point I saw it there went, oh, and had a look and opened it up and it was her saying, I, I loved the book and I'd just really like to sit down and maybe we can do a Zoom call together. I'd love to talk about it. And your goals. And I thought, good God, has this been sitting there for three weeks? That's so embarrassing. I talked with her and by the end of the conversation, she said, I would like you to go away and maybe Google search me, make sure that I'm not a psychopath and that I am who I say that I am. And if you want to sign with me, I want to sign with you. So let me know. Was she in the States, Stacey, or here? She was in the States, Mm. yeah. So she was in the US. And so I went away and did that and decided that she could be trusted and she was who she said she was. And I signed with her. And it was with the intention that she would help me with things like foreign translation rights and an audio book deal, perhaps, because I was still self-publishing. And I forgot about the manuscript that I sent away to those other publishing houses and I hadn't heard back from them. And then I did hear back from them. And I spoke to my agent and said, oh, by the way, uh, I forgot to tell you before, but these two publishing houses have my manuscript and one of them's uh, written back and they would like to speak with you. And she called me immediately and I'd never heard her voice so excited before. She, she, She went, do you want a book deal? I said, I don't know. I don't know if I want a book deal. I've already accumulated like these pre-orders. I'm yeah. set on my path to self-publishing. I feel like this kindred connection to all the other indie authors out there who have helped me and given me support and who have answered all my many questions. And I fumbled my way through this, but I'm finally at the finishing line and I'm about to press the button to release it. I don't know that I want a book deal. And she said, delay the release for a month. Give me a month. 
and let's see your options. Let's send the book out. Okay. I'll pitch it to everyone. We'll see if there's a book deal that comes in and we can weigh your options, but at least you'll know what your options are. And I was very hesitant. I thought I felt a sense of almost betrayal. And I know that sounds bizarre, but it felt like people had already put some of like invested some of their own money into this. They'd already pre-ordered it. And to say to them, I'm going to delay it by a month, just a little bit wrong. And I think at that point, I felt like the whole universe was revolving around me. But Michael kicked me up the bum and said, remember how you told me that by the time you die, you wanted to be a published author and you meant trade publishing. And I was like, I did, but I didn't know about self-publishing. And he was like, well, what's the harm in just seeing your options and being able to weigh them? If you choose to self-publish it next week, you'll never know what kind of book deal you could have gotten. And I was like, that's true. I agreed to postpone the release for a month. I told everyone and and postponed it and everyone was very kind and lovely. Of course they were, because as it turns out, they weren't waiting by their Kindles for my book to pop into it. They were carrying on with their lives as normal. Yeah, it was, it was all this drama that melted down to almost nothing. And yeah, we delayed it. And then I had two book deals that came in and I got to pick which one that I liked best, which was lovely. And it was just surreal because usually this, these things don't happen in that kind of time frame. But it's a testament to how powerful social media followings are because I do truly believe that none of that would have happened if it weren't for this big follow account on TikTok and Instagram. And just the pages and pages of screenshots that my agent could send to publishing houses saying, these are all the people that are saying I'm going to pre-order this book right now and the people who were making their own TikToks and doing their own Instagram posts just talking about the concept of my book and saying Mm. you know I saw this TikTok creator who's writing this book and I can't wait to read it even just those things and being able to pass those along I had a bio an author bio that was empty it said that I was a teacher and a mother and a wife and that I lived in Australia with a dog And it didn't say much else. And I had nothing else really to my name other than my teaching degree. But I could backfill it with all of this interest for the book online. And it made it sellable, I think. It sold it. And yeah, so long story short, I still don't know if I can write. But I know that I can at the very least sell the concept of the book. And publishing and the way that it works now is just changing drastically. And it's all just because of social media. I don't think ever before publishing houses have directly headhunted prospective authors that have never released a book before. And that's happening all the time now. Uh, Lots of people that I'm friends with online, just virtually, who are doing the exact same thing I am, writing a book and seeing if they can maybe self-publish it or see if they can maybe sell it. They're also getting emails that pop into their inbox saying, when you finish this book, can we be the first to read it? And that's incredible. How bizarre. That's not the way that this works. That's not the way that the trade publishing industry works. Um, And it never has before. But for some reason, like they, not for some reason, the the real reason is because they know how powerful self-promotion is on those social media platforms. Mm. And, And it's, they're very aware of how they can leverage that. I think it's just changing the way the industry works and not in, not in a bad way at all. I think Platforms like BookTok and Bookstagram have vastly helped the book publish, book printing industry over the last few years. And there's been lots of articles about that as well. But yeah, it's been like quite the bizarre 
start. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully this career sticks because I really like it. Stacey, tell us about the book Ledge. So you basically have, you've sat down and wrote this whole new book. Is it the first of a trilogy? Is that right? It is. Yeah. It's around a character called Dawson who's 24 years old and she's stuck on this place called The Ledge with a a village of people and they know how they got there. They know that 50 years previously they were living in a valley in a kingdom called Tursor and they knew that these creatures who live on the mountain flew down, raided and rampaged their village, herded them all up the mountain and flew them over this giant chasm and dropped them on this mountain shelf where they are essentially imprisoned. There's sheer mountain face on the other side and they can't climb it. And there's another chasm that encompasses the rest of that mountain shelf. And the only way offered is to jump into the chasm, which it's not recommended. They also know that once every season, these glacian, like cold winged beasts that live on the other side They fly over the chasm once a a season and select just a few humans and pluck them, Mm. swoop down and pluck them and carry them back over the chasm and those people are never seen again. And our story kind of takes off with Dawson who's alone. She's lost all of her family members along the way due to either exposure or because they've been selected or simply slipped and fallen off the mountain ledge. And she is selected one day by a glacier and she's taken over the chasm to the other side and she learns what the hell's going on and why they've been kept there and why they've been kept alive and it's a story kind of about escape and having to ally with an enemy in order to do that and there's a great big enemies to lovers subplot there and like my favorite tropes are like the found family trope and and the quest Mm. trope and that sort of thing so it centers around this big quest about how they're going to essentially save all of the people on the ledge and whether or not she's going to be able to get herself off this mountain. So, yes, that's the story in a tiny little box. Oh, that sounds amazing. So how was the writing process for this one? Because you you said you'd done the five novels previously and stuck them in a drawer, and I guess with each time you do that, you're learning and improving and all that, learning more about your writing process. So how did you go with the writing process with this one? Because it was over a reasonably short period of time, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I tend to write in stops and starts though. So I found that I, when I do have a book idea that I really love, I start it and I don't stop until it's done. Still not the quickest writer and I've got two kids to contend with. So Mm. it still took me around six months to write and then to edit. But yeah, you're right. Every time I've written a book, that writing process has refined itself and it's become a little smoother and I think the storytelling elements have it have gotten a little better, or at least I hope so. Every time I write a book, I think this is the best book I've written so far and then I'll write the next book and go, this one was better than the last book and mm-hmm. I think it's just because you're getting in your 10,000 hours and it's very much still a skill that you need to practice. I am very aware that this book like has been improved drastically from the first draft that I did And I feel like I could probably edit it another seven times and it would keep improving each time, but publishers won't let me do that. You've got to stop somewhere, haven't you? Got to stop, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm almost done with book two right now. And again, I feel like this one is better than the last one in Mm. terms of just the way that you structure your writing and the way that you go about planning and, and making sure that you're tying things up a little nicer and things like that. That's been one of my favorite parts about writing from the outset when I wrote the first book when I was like 18 years old or something is that every time I write, I'm excited about it. 
And it's not until years later that I look back at it and go, oh, that was actually crap. That was, <laughs> was pretty bad. Like, it, was, it was terrible. But at the time, I thought it was these knees. Yeah, we're all like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. It's not just me then. And yeah, but I, I get, I don't know about you and everyone else, but I get trapped in this spot usually after I've read through a manuscript just a whole bunch of times. It's usually like the last time you read through it where I just start to think this is terrible. I need to go back and rewrite the entire, <laughs> the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. And my, yeah, my, my opinion of the book and my own writing just completely changes. Yeah. And it's such a bad habit that I fall into and I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's because I've just seen it too many times now. And so I'm I think there is a, a lot of that in it. Yeah. You just get it all becomes just a bit of a blur. And you already know the story. You've already read yeah. the words a zillion times. You yeah. Know. But how was it working with, is this the first time you would have worked with a professional editor? It depends what we're talking about. I've worked, I worked with a freelance editor with Ledge when I was still self-publishing it, but I'd never professionally edited any previous manuscript mm. before Ledge. But it was fun looking at the difference between a freelance editor who I had found recommended through another author friend and got her edits on Ledge before I was, when I was self-publishing it, and then working with the editor at Angry Robot Books after we signed the book deal and looking at the differences there because they are like very different in the way that they do it. So that was really cool. But yeah, definitely, this book is definitely the first time that I've worked with professional editors before. And of course, the brilliant thing is even if a percentage of your followers buy the book, you've got, the, you've got a ready-made audience there, haven't you? Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why publishers are so interested in people that have social media. In fact, if you do sign a book deal and you don't have any following whatsoever, the first thing that they'll ask you to do is start building yourself an online presence. I know when I signed with Angry Robot Books, they sent me an author information sheet that they would send to every single author that they sign, and largely it consists of things that we need to be doing to help them promote the book. And at the very top of that list is open Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or any kind of account that you want on any social media platform that you want. And the more, the the better. Mm. And try and build yourself an online presence and talk about this book because they're very aware of how powerful that is. Yeah, yeah. We've covered a lot of things and I'm very aware of taking up a lot of your time, Stacey. But for authors out there listening, thinking about, oh, should I get involved with TikTok? Should I? It's not something I feel 100% comfortable with, but maybe I want to dip my toes in. What would you recommend that they do? I think first and foremost, I think you need to get your head around the different types of content that you could be putting out there. And perhaps it's not quite as daunting as what you're thinking. And I know it is probably that platform that makes everyone back away a little bit and go, mm, no, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one. But it truly is very similar to Instagram Reels. And I think any knowledge that you have from there, you can apply to TikTok. But go on and follow as many booktop creators as you can find and just watch the kind of content that seems to hit, that seems to do well. Look at the content creators who seem to be getting those consistent views and things and Try to emulate some of those things, even if it's just down to what hashtags are people using that tend to work. Get to know that the series of books that people really enjoy and the authors that people are really connected to and see if you can find, see if you can relate to that. Because I know that I did. I know that I hopped onto BookTok and found that many people were very heavily immersed in the same genres that I like best. And so that that was a great start for me, just starting to have conversations with people. 
But I think, yeah, if you're learning by observing first, I think Mm. you'll find that there's a whole bunch of ways that you could be creating content and it's not necessarily the in-your-face, super scary, having to use a camera and your own voice and things if you don't want that to be the case. Yeah. Are there any other content creators that you would recommend people have a look at? There is a million, but I just to make it quite broad in terms of the style of content, I would look at Caven's books, who's one of my very dear friends, Hannah and Nicole May. They're similar to me in that they use humour and they like to create original content, but all three of us are writing books that we're hoping will do well. And I think those two girls are really promoting their work in different ways, but in really um, powerful ways. So definitely check out those two. There's another book talk creator called Tiff and Books with a little and sign. And she does lots of book recommendations and she's done very well for herself. But you'll see her um, sometimes putting her voice and her, and her face on camera, but oftentimes not. And she's quite good at that. There's a fourth creator called, her real name's Deborah, but I'm trying to remember her handle now. Deborah Kelsey, I think it is. And she's similar in that she does a bit of a variety of using original content, but also following trends and relating that to books. And I think that's a really useful strategy as well. Fantastic. Ledge is out in September. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And is that like an international release or? It is. So September 13th and it's international. So exciting. Hopefully everywhere. Very exciting. Congratulations. And you're working on book number two. Is that due for release next year? Are they doing yeah, the so, year after thing? Yeah, that's right. So it's slated for September next year. Um, we just don't have the day nailed down yet, but I can't imagine that it will need to change the month at the very least. <laughs> so That's fantastic. Well done, yeah. Stace. So could you just let everyone know where they can find you on TikTok? Because I don't think I've actually given your handle out there yet. And I'm at Stace Bookspace which is, I'm aware, a bit of a strange name now. I should probably change it to something like the Stacey McEwen, but that will come. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, at Facebook Space on TikTok and on Instagram. Okay, brilliant. Highly recommend everybody have a look at your accounts because they're a lot of fun and really good to follow. So thank you so much for taking the time to share all this information with us and all the best with Ledge. It sounds amazing and I hope it goes really well for you. Oh, thanks so much, Pamela. It was so lovely. So how good was that, that chat with Stacey McEwen? She was just such a font of wisdom about the whole TikTok thing and I love the way that she explained how she got into it and she made it just absolutely relatable and quite enticing, I think. I was chatting to Stacey after I I pressed the end record button. I wish I'd left it going because we're also talking about how important it is to be consistent on the platform, just like any other social platform. If you're going to post Instagram or Facebook, you can't expect, the same with TikTok, you can't expect to just pop a post up and then three months later, pop another one up and start to get followers and to get traction and engagement. You have to also be on there following other people's videos, chatting to them, responding to them. And it's all about engagement. So I thought that was a really good point that Stace made then when we had the chat off air. But the other thing that she talked about was a number of authors. And this follows on from the chat I had, if you listen to my talk with Rebecca Saunders from Hachette, the head of fiction at Hachette a couple of weeks ago, Rebecca was talking about this idea of tracking sales and looking at how authors are engaging with readers on TikTok and then seeing if there's a correlation with book sales. And 
Stacey did mention a particular thriller author. I can't think of her name now, but I will pop it up in the show notes if I find it. And that she has been able to track her sales directly to increases in sales directly to particular TikTok posts that she's actually posted. And if you follow Zoe Lee, who I've chatted to on the podcast previously about Instagram, Zoe is now very active also on TikTok and has been posting about how and actually putting up graphs to show that her book sales for thrillers have been increasing each time she does a post about them on TikTok. And as her followers on TikTok increase, there's a correlation in her book sales. So really interesting. I think TikTok, from what I can see, and I'm certainly no expert, I'm just trying to find out a little bit more about it. And I know that there's a number of Australian authors now out there on TikTok investigating the platform. And so, you know, I think if you're anything like me and a little bit nervous perhaps about dipping your toes into the TikTok waters, I think perhaps the way to do it is, as Stace suggested, to get on there and have a look at what people are doing. And I will definitely put in the show notes of this anybody that I have found really interesting. There are a lot of authors on there doing writing tips and tips about writing and publishing, not necessarily about their books themselves, but I guess that's a way of connecting with other writers. And I think hashtag author talk is becoming a bit of a thing just as book talk itself is on that platform. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Stacey. I certainly enjoyed chatting to her and hopefully we'll be able to read Ledge when it comes out in September and see you on TikTok. And if not, I'll see you next week on Rights for Women. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website so much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4W Podcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women, or find me and my writing at Pamela Cook. Have a great week and remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. <laughs>